Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. Uh, just recently, I did a interview for the Aviation Careers podcast, if you're interested in that. Uh, it's an hour-long interview. It's kind of a lot of me. But if you're interested, I have it on my website under uh, Betty's Press Room, and you can also find the Aviation Careers podcast in iTunes. Uh, the music for this episode is from Paris. There was a I uh, recorded a street performing band near Notre Dame. And there's also some music. I was taking the Metro and somebody was playing music in the Metro. So the music is all from Paris. And uh, let's just get right on with the show. Okay, so what happened? Did you say Amsterdam? Yeah, I was leaving Amsterdam. We're walking through the airport, and I see this woman who's very striking. She's got long braids on either side. Down, she looks like Saint Pauli girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big old high heeled clogs, you know, and short shorts. And anyway, she was all that. And it turns out she gets on our aircraft. So she's going on to Miami, and she's just flitting all over the place any handsome man she's talking to and she's up in business class keeps coming up into business class she's not allowed to do that because she's right. traveling in coach well she figures they have more money <laughs> right yeah so she's up there you know and they're there one man in particular he keeps giving her champagne sharing his yeah. glass of champagne so I told her she needs to stop coming into business class and she does this Marilyn Monroe running her hands down her body and she says to me do you know who I am? And I said to her, I don't care if you're the Queen of England, you need to stay in coach. <laughs> so eventually this man in business class, who's very attracted to her, he ends up sitting back in coach with her. Oh. So I'm keeping an eye on them because it's getting a little bit risque. And at one point she's not in her seat and the man is asleep, passed out. So I start looking for her. In the meantime, the cockpit calls and says, you need to wake up the relief pilot. It's time for him to come back. I open the curtains and there she is straddling him. And she's licking his ear and he thought, he was having a ball. He thought I had put her up to it because it was time for him to get off his break. He thought that was his wake up call? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> he enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> So on uh, a certain Airbus that we have, 
the pilot crew rest only has one bunk in it. And so they wanted to use the plane for longer flights. And for longer flights, you have to have four pilots, which means two pilots will be taking crew rest at a time. So they built a second pilot crew rest in the back of coach. And basically, it's it's like a little pod with a curtain and a, a lay flat bunk in there. And on a lot of flights, we only have the three pilots. So that isn't used. And it's confusing to passengers because there's this, you know, unused bunk. <laughs> so we're doing the service and this woman says to me, um, oh, is that where you put the sick passengers? And I'm like, oh, no, it's just the pilot crew rest um, area. And she's standing there and she's like, sick pilots? And I'm like, when was the last thinking? When was the last time you saw some pit sick pilots? <laughs> like, how often do we have sick pilots? And we would have a special bunk for them. I'm like, no, not sick pilots, just for pilots taking their crew rest. <laughs> and she, she was like, oh, for the sick pilots. I'm like, no, they're not sick. <laughs> they're just taking a nap. <laughs> and so she still looked confused. And then I go back doing the service, come back later, and the curtains closed. And I, I go to pull open the curtain and their shoes. She's laid down in there and gone to sleep. And I'm thinking, are you a sick pilot? <laughs> like, you know, are you a pilot or a sick pilot? You know, like, I don't know why she decided after that conversation that it was for her. <laughs> but I was telling some past, uh, some other flight attendants this. And they're like, oh, you know, that that's very confusing to passengers, especially on the Nigeria flights where, you know, it's culturally different and things anyway. And they're... They're used to different, you know, type toilets. And uh, they said, you know, on those night flights, passengers will come back and pee in there. <laughs> like they, think, they think it's just a place to go to the bathroom. And I'm thinking, gosh, what if there's a pilot in there? <laughs> yeah. You have a passenger peeing there. Anyway, we were telling that story. And then one of the flight attendants said, and of course, I didn't have my recorder out. And he was like, oh, yeah, um, I used to work for Pan Am. And we had these bathrooms where... Uh, they came together in the middle. So they were folding doors, but they locked in the middle. And he was talking about, because we've just been talking about passengers peeing in the crew rest area. He's like, uh, you know, when the um, people from countries where they have the squat toilets, I've talked about this before. Uh, they're used to having a place where you put your two feet and squat down. That's how you go to the bathroom. So when they get on the airplane, sometimes those people will try to get up on the toilet and squat. And he said, that's what this person in a turban uh, must have been doing. And um, <laughs> they hit turbulence. And if you can picture standing on top of the airplane toilet and squatting, you know, that's not uh, the toilet seat wouldn't be a flat surface. So I would imagine balancing up there. <laughs> isn't the easiest thing to do. I've never tried it personally, but if you think about it, I don't think that's probably the easiest thing to do. So they hit pretty bad turbulence and they were strapped in, in their seats in the back galley. And this guy must have, they figured he must have when they hit the turbulence and he's squatting on top of the toilet, must have uh, pitched forward. And because those doors hinged in the middle, his weight coming against full force against the door, he got through the locked door, ended up on the galley floor. <laughs> With his pants down and turban askew, and the the two of them were just looking like, oh. <laughs> She's got a picture uh, of the late uh, Orville Redenbacher. Yeah. Okay, yeah. little petite guy with a big bow tie, yeah. big smile. Uh, this is a, a, a deplaning a 757 for the from the mid door, 
and we had one wheelchair request. Okay. And everybody else is off the airplane, and I'm saying goodbye, and you know, right. like you normally do. And then all of a sudden, here's this guy standing there. It looks just like Orville Redenbarker, big smile on his face, and he's taking these half little baby steps up the aisle. He's just trucking. So I said, uh, Mr. Smith, and he goes, Yeah. <laughs> and I said, Did you order a wheelchair? And he goes, Yeah. And I said, it's not here yet, so when you get to the front row, just stop and have a seat, and we'll, I'll check on that wheelchair for you. And he goes, okay! And then he stops, he starts turning around. It takes him about two minutes to turn around. As he turns around, there's a slightly smaller version of himself behind him. And he goes, Dad, the wheelchair is not here yet. Sit down when you get to the front. True story. <laughs> This next bit comes from a listener named Mark from Liverpool, and uh, he sent me a link to this comedian, and actually I think he's really funny. His name's uh, Tim Hawkins. You can go to his website, timhawkins.net, for, you know, DVDs, CDs, uh, show tickets, but I thought this guy was really funny. People just aren't nice anymore. They're not. I mean, I, I fly a lot. I go in a lot of airports and stuff. And they always, you know, and they, they do the, the announcements for getting on the plane. It's always the same, like, first class people, you're welcome to board first class. First class, Sky Elite status, Sky Team, Sky members, One World Alliance members, Platinum Plus. All the successful people, go ahead and get on the plane right now. Success. If you've ever done anything with your life, thank you for being born. We love you all. Please get on the plane at your leisure. We'd like to continue boarding with the unwashed masses. The unwashed masses. All you gypsies, tramps, and thieves, it's your turn to put your shoes on and grab whatever you travel with. Grab your chickens and your milk crates, it's your turn to get on. It's us, honey. We're gonna fly in the air. We're gonna go real high. Sometimes when I'm boarding a plane, I'll take the barf bag and I'll rip a hole in the bottom, put it right back. Don't judge me. You know you're going to try that. Don't you judge me, people. <laughs> and you could just see the people have to use it once. Like, I notice in some airports there are luggage stores. I'm looking around, looks like everybody's got luggage taken care of. You never see a guy with an armful of clothes. Man, I wish I had some kind of container. Maybe with a zipper and a pulley thing. I don't know if they make those yet. Okay, so um, and so TWA in Ella, they brought Ella Fitzgerald into the Ambassador Club, and um, she was just chatting with uh, Ella, a very very nice, pleasant person. And Ella asked for her address, so she thought she might just send her a little note or something like that. And every year up until the year that Ella Fitzgerald died, we received a Christmas card from her. Oh, yeah. Yep, Ella Fitzgerald. That yep. is so nice. Yep. Yep. So, 
How many cards do you think she did this with everyone? Well, or was we it just were together special? for almost 10 years. So, I don't know. It's uh, It was hand signed by her, too. Oh, my God. You can see as she got older, it got a little bit. <laughs> the script. Sure. Oh, Christmas, Christmas card every year. year. Yeah. Well, so, I think that, that card made memorable. it to the front of the mantle. Yeah, yeah. We, th- those were uh, collector's items. <laughs> well, she, she, you know, she got those in the divorce. <laughs> but you know it's so strange is sometimes I try to explain to people that it's such a weird job you know that you can be in a job where you can meet Ella Fitzgerald and you get on her Christmas card list right, right. and I did have a red skeleton on one of my flights and the whole time he sat there and he sketched and of course I wanted the sketch and um, I didn't quite have the nerve to ask for the sketch, but I did grab one of the timetables. When we used to have timetables, yeah. and he and he signed the back of oh. it for me with yeah. my name. So I still have that to this day. That Betty Davis song. Yes, and she was sitting in first class with her entourage, and I wasn't going to bother her, but the captain asked me, "Could you get autographs for us?" And I said, "I can get this one for my mother. She was in my mother's era." So I went back to her seat, and she had a companion woman sitting with her who had her jewel case, probably in pills, too. (laughs) And I just knelt down, and I said, Miss Davis, I said, I've never asked for an autograph before, but I would very much like yours. She put the tray table down, and she said, you may have it. And the whole time I thought I should have been addressing her companion who kept looking at me like, you should be talking to me, not directly to her, but it was fun. Yeah, what is, how did she say that? She just said, you may have it. So if you remember, when I first moved into my condo, I had trouble with crabs. It's funny, whenever I say that, people always think I mean the itchy crabs, but I mean actual crabs like at the beach. So I had crabs in my condo, and that is cleared up. I'm crabless. (laughs) And um, then, I don't believe I was talking about this on the podcast, but I had a huge battle of wits with squirrels. Uh, They were eating my bird food seed and I literally was out there making things out of um, paper plates and aluminum things I read on the internet that to, to make a squirrel baffle I was trying to baffle the squirrels and that didn't work and eventually I just had to buy an expensive bird feeder that closes it with the weight of a squirrel and so my squirrel problem is uh cleared up and basically I am moving my way up the vermin ladder. Actually, I like squirrels. I actually kind of feed the squirrels. I just didn't want them eating my bird food. Uh, You know, the squirrels are really cute. And um, so now my new problem, I have a garden. And uh, I was like, what happened to all my chives? They're gone. And where are the leaves on my pepper plant? What is going on? And then I was getting ready for work one morning. And uh, I opened the door to the garden. And I see not one, not two, not three, not four, but five mice. They were like baby mice, or they're just small mice. Um, they're actually kind of cute, but I just really don't want a bunch of mice in my garden, and I certainly don't want the mice getting in my condo. Uh, and so I was, I was sort of 
admonishing myself because I'm like, you know, you like the squirrels. Really, what's the big difference? One has a fluffy tail. Um, but you know, I, I guess I'm, uh, I, I don't really want the mice there. I'm sorry. So, but I don't want to kill the mice. So I was driving to work with this dilemma. Oh my, what am I going to do with mice? So I get on the computer and I, you know, Google, what do we do without Google? What do we do without the internet? So I just Googled, how do I get rid of mice in my garden? <laughs> and there's all these posts and apparently they don't like mint. It said to get 100% peppermint oil, saturate cotton balls, throw them around the garden and spray everywhere with this uh, peppermint oil. And it said also they hate mothballs. So it took me a couple stores to find mothballs. But I threw the mothballs in the garden and sprayed peppermint all over the place. And what's weird is now when you walk up to my condo, it smells kind of like an old lady lives there because you can smell the mothballs. They're kind of minty mothy balls, but it's still mothballs. And you know, it's not pleasant. And you know what? The mice, they seemed a little irritated with the mint and the mothballs, but it didn't make them go away. I basically just had minty mothy mice. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, what next? I don't want to, I don't, you know, there was a thing on the internet that said you could put like peanut butter or bacon in a, in a bucket and like put rocks so they can get in the bucket and then they won't be able to get out. And then you can take the bucket with the mice in it to a wooded area. I didn't really like that idea either. So, uh, Basically, I just spent a lot of time trying to figure out how they were getting in the garden and uh, stopping them from getting in. So right now, I think, I think I've think i cleared up my mice, minty mothy mice problem, but I'm not sure. Actually, it's funny. You know, I obviously probably was my own fault for getting the mice. My garden is sort of protected. It's, a, it's got like wooded slats. Like a, they call it a pergola. Um, anyway... They're protected in here. Like a cat can't come in, but the mice can come in and I have food for them. They've got chives. They've got like a little, you know, salad. <laughs> so I created a little like Shangri-La for the, for the mice. So no wonder they were liking it here, but you know, they just can't stay. And I just don't like that I was moving my way up the vermin ladder because now if, if I've solved the mice issue does that mean next it's going to be like possums and raccoons are we just going to get you know bigger and bigger <laughs> i don't know about this home ownership thing one of those you think you've heard everything well i mean i always think i've heard everything and you never have okay well after i've been flying 42 years and oh, wait 42 years this yes 42 this happened not that long ago i was going to brussels and we had a lot of the people from uh, the Belgian Congo, because Belgium used to own the Belgian Congo. But they, uh, it's now Zaire. And we had the president of Zaire and, and really? all of his, the higher ups on the plane. And then we had uh, some of the lower right. level people. And I was getting drinks on the ground and one of the lower level people asked me for a beer. So I took him a beer, set it down, and took him the whole can because I drink right. beer sometimes and I like the whole can. A little bit later he came up to me and he said, are you trying to kill me? And I said, well, yeah, we generally try to kill a few people on the ground, so it's not so hard when we get in the air. And he said, give me apple juice. So he, he showed me on the can this date that was prior to the, the, date, the, the, the date of the flight. It was um, maybe six months previous to that date. The beer. But it didn't say what that date was on the beer. It just had a date, say, 
this was January for the flight. The beer said June of right. the same year, of the year year before. He said, "You're trying to kill me. You are giving me contaminated beer." And I was like, "No, I'm really, really not." And <laughs> so he started guzzling apple juice to cleanse his system. And he just went on and on all night long. He, he wouldn't eat anything. He wouldn't look at me. He just wanted apple juice, apple juice. So he just downed all these cans of apple juice. I get back to New York, and I'm going to write up the incident. And I, I turned on the computer, and the first pop-up screen that came up is apple juice is being taken off the air flight on the off the airplane because of reported cases of contaminated apple juice. <laughs> What are the chances of that? I know. What are the chances well, of that? Is that not incredible? But this guy, it, so the apple juice probably killed it. Yeah, not, it, it wasn't it the beer. It was the, the apple juice. Well, um, this one was quite a few years ago when I was young, cute, and skinny. Um, I was when we were all young, cute, young, cute skinny. skinny. I was working a trip from the. Midwest out to Los Angeles and we had a famous male ballet dancer on and his famous girlfriend who's an actress and he had been performing in the Midwest and they were going back home. Was this the famous ballet dancer? Mm, eh, Probably could have been. (laughs) And um had been having a few cocktails I assume adult beverages and during the flight it was a night flight he came up and sat on the jump seat next to me and kind of was getting real handsy 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 with me and um, she finally after about 20 minutes came up and saw him with his hands all over me and this scared look on my face well maybe I was enjoying it I'm not real sure and she ordered him back to his seat and he sat in that seat until every last person was off the aircraft in Los Angeles that was interesting and she uh, stared daggers at me as she got off the aircraft so but it was interesting you know that's a losing battle and I've never I've never received a Christmas card from either one of them so I was on a flight working from Atlanta to Newburgh New York and a lady was walking down the airplane we were on a McDonnell Douglas 88 with three seats on one side and two on the other side and she looked at me and she said Oh my goodness, this is not even. Will the plane fly at a tilt? (laughs) So about eight months ago, I was flying with a pilot. He kind of looked like Dr. Drew. He was, he looked reliable, smart. And uh, there was a guy on the trip that had a cold. And he goes, oh, here, I'll give you a couple drops of this oregano oil. And, you know, you'll feel better. Uh, And I was like, what? I'm always up for a cure. (laughs) I'm always up for some snake oil. And uh, he's like, yeah, this stuff's great. He's like, it's like a natural antibiotic and I carry it with me. And if I feel something coming on, I put a few drops in water and, you know, it clears it right up. He's like, you can put it on your skin. Uh, he mixes it with cream. And if you think, you know, say you have a blister or something that might get an infection, you know what? That stuff is great. I haven't had a cold since I've been carrying around my oregano oil, but I have sort of turned into a little bit of a oregano oil pusher. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't make any money from it, but I just, uh, this the last trip, there was a, uh, a lady and she was having trouble with her sinuses. And I'm like, oh, here, I got oregano oil. It's great stuff. It, it basically kind of doesn't smell like oregano. It kind of smells like eucalyptus. It's strong. Um, but it really, you take it and then you're like, well, you can breathe, you can breathe clearly. And there's another girl on the trip and she's like, oh, her sinuses are bad. She needs to like mainline that oregano oil. She should put it under her tongue, like a couple drops under her tongue. I was like, I don't know that. That's kind of strong, you know. <laughs> I've never tried that. And the the poor lady was so, you know, in such pain. She's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And she's opening her mouth for me to put drops under her tongue, kind of like a baby bird. And I, I put the drops in and she was like, whoa, whoa. We were laughing in the galley. Her head was like about to explode. But she really did feel a lot better. That oregano oil is great. So later on in the flight, she's like, I, I need another hit of that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like a pusher. I give you some drops for free. And then later on, you know, I gouge you. <laughs> but anyway, I bought, I live in a place where there's not a lot of stores, no like Whole Foods or anything. So I went on Amazon.com to get my oregano oil. And if you want to try some or anything else you want to buy on Amazon, if you go to my website, BettyInTheSky.com and click on the Amazon links, it doesn't cost you any more, but you support the show. The show. So uh, if you want to get some oregano oil or anything else, I would love it. And thank you so much if you go to my website and click through for your Amazon needs. <laughs> Okay, so I was flying with a flight attendant, a male flight attendant, and we were talking about taking Ambien or taking Benadryl or taking something to help you sleep on your international layovers. And he told me he had taken Ambien one time, only one time. And he woke up in the middle of the night, he went to his bathroom, and all of his toiletries were lined up neatly along the counter. And he said, oh my God, I didn't do that. So he runs, he said, someone's in my room. So he runs out, he looks, his door is locked. Then he said, oh no, someone's in my bed. So he runs and he looks, nobody's in his bed. And he goes back to the bathroom, he looks in the mirror, and he said, something is very, very strange. I can't figure it out. And then he said, oh my goodness, I got up in the middle of the night. I didn't shave my mustache off. I shaved my eyebrows off. And he said the flight attendants laughed all the way back on the nine-hour flight home, and he had to take someone's eyeliner pencil and pencil some eyebrows in. He said he'll never take Ambien again. I wouldn't either. A pilot friend of mine who was on a flight, and one of the flight attendants, you know, called up there, panicked. There was a man from Nigeria who was running around the airplane oh, naked. Oh, naked. <laughs> on a flight. Not on my flight. But yeah, fun, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't a terrorist, he was a streaker. He was just, that's it, just streaking. <laughs> man, he was just showing his goods. audience to be found, you'll be streaking it round and 
100 sheep and a few goats, yards from Hartsfield Jackson's fifth runway. It's a one-week test to see if the sheep can clear brush adjacent to the runways more efficiently and more cheaply than men, machines, and herbicides. This was actually donated by an anonymous donor where we get a chance to evaluate something, try something new, and, uh, and right now that cost us anything. They eat just about any kind of brush, and overgrowth is a concern not just for pilots' line of sight, but to eliminate wildlife habitat. Birds, coyotes, deer, all those animals can run into the, and have run into the runways, and by keeping the brush clear and low, keeps the wildlife a little further. The sheep are contained by the shepherd and dogs. There's also an electric fence, and if the program's brought closer to the runways, there'd be more fencing. We still would have to put up some type of containment fence, and those are some of the issues that we would have to work out with TFA. It's worked out at two other U.S. airports. Now, San Francisco has a program. SeaTac uses it out in Seattle. They don't use it anymore because it wasn't cost-effective for them. That's what Atlanta will have to figure out. The sheep are the same ones that cleared five city parks this summer, including Chastain Park. So far, the jets don't seem to bother them. We were curious to see what their reaction would be when we first brought them out here. We never even looked in the direction of the planes. They're so used to all the city sounds that not much shapes them at this point. So last episode, we heard a story about bees at the airport, and now they're testing sheep at the airport to keep the brush down and so they won't have as many birds and other wildlife. And uh, I saw this story um, when I was overseas, and I was like, sheep at the airport. So uh, flying home, I kept talking about it, and everybody kept saying, you're joking, that's not true. And I'm like, no, 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 I saw I saw. <laughs> I saw it on TV. They have sheep at the airport. And um, we were landing, and I'm like, look out for the sheep. And what about the shepherd? You know, people are always asking me about airline jobs. And this is a new one, airport shepherd. When was the last time you ever heard some, you know, as that is even a job, shepherd? But now there will be airport shepherds. Like, I wonder how much that pays. Do they get travel benefits? <laughs> Next time anybody asks me about an airline job, I'm going to say, well, have you ever thought about becoming an airport shepherd? <laughs> One of the flight attendants was retiring. Yeah. And when we got to the layover, yeah. when they opened the door at two right, he was standing right by the handle and it hit him in the head. And he had to go to the hospital and get four stitches. On his last flight? Yes. So he went out with a bang. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this next story could be, I don't know, it, it could be controversial to some people, uh, but... I was just told this story about a crew, and all this is secondhand information, but um, that they were on a flight and they were the first crew rest were down. Some of our planes, you have a downstairs crew rest area where they have bunks. And, uh, you know, we always have, you know, airplanes and airlines. We have safety measures for everything. And anytime there's a downstairs or an upstairs area, there is also a secondary way to get out in case something happened, in case a door was jammed, in case there was a fire. You know, there's always more than one way to egress. And apparently on this flight, the door to the crew rest area was jammed. And, you know, they needed to get out so that other people could um, 
start their crew rest. And they tried and tried with the door and couldn't get it open. So they had to go through the hatch. There's a hatch in the floor that goes to the cabin. Uh, and it's not that big, you know, a hole. <laughs> in general, most of our hatches aren't that big. And there was a heavy set flight attendant. And apparently she couldn't get out of the hatch. And they didn't know what to do. And they tried. And so they were trying to pull her out the top. And then eventually the pilot came back. And he got down in the crew rest area. And then was trying to push her from behind up and the flight attendants up top were trying to pull <laughs> and it wouldn't work they couldn't get her out I don't know if they tried any butter or honey it reminded me of like um in the cartoons where they're trying to get the bear in and out of the hole in the tree <laughs> anyway apparently she wouldn't budge well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. Bye.